Welcome to Interpod, a podcast by Interpride where the world comes together for the LGBTQIA community. I'm Michelle Miao, your host. In this episode, we focus on the freedom of assembly, speech, and expression, and how in some countries, policies and laws prevent the LGBTQIA community from celebrating, advocating, and expressing ourselves, especially when it comes to our issues. Before we get to our interview, let's listen in to Michael Lavers of the Washington Blade for today's news covering the global LGBTQIA community. This is Michael Lavers, and I'm the international news editor for the Washington Blade, America's LGBTQ news source. I just left Berlin, where LGBTQ and intersex Ukrainians were among the hundreds of thousands of people who participated in the city's annual Christopher Street Day march that took place on July 23rd. Many of them fled Ukraine after Russia launched its war with little more than the clothes on their backs. Some of the march participants with whom I spoke are trying to build a new life in Germany, while others have defiantly decided to remain in Ukraine. One activist from Kyiv, the Ukrainian capital, urged the West to, quote, stop Russian aggression, end quote, even though march organizers in Berlin specifically called for peace in Ukraine. Many other March participants from Ukraine simply wanted their voices heard and urged the world not to forget about their LGBTQ and intersex brothers and sisters who remained behind. In other news, a referendum on Cuba's new family code that would extend marriage and adoption rights to same-sex couples is scheduled to take place on September 25th. It would be a historic milestone for Cuba if the new family code becomes law, but one must acknowledge that human rights abuses, regardless of sexual orientation or gender identity, remain commonplace on the island. Brenda Diaz, a transgender woman with HIV, recently received a 14-year prison sentence after she participated in one of the anti-government protests that took place across Cuba on July 11, 2021. Independent LGBTQ and intersex activists and journalists on the island continue to face harassment and the threat of arrest if they publicly criticize the Cuban government. And finally, LGBTQ and intersex activists in the U.S. and around the world continue to express their outrage over the U.S. Supreme Court ruling that overturned Roe v. Wade. It remains to be seen if the U.S. Senate passes the Respect for Marriage Act, that would codify marriage equality into federal law. The world, in the meantime, continues to watch and be wait and see. This is Michael Lavers. Please visit us at WashingtonBlade.com if you want to get more news about the global LGBTQ and intersex rights movement. In 2020, China introduced new national security laws in response to mass pro-democracy protests. The law criminalizes any acts of secession, breaking away from the country, subversion, undermining the power of authority of the central government, terrorism, using violence or intimidation against people, and collusion with foreign or external forces. A key provision of the national security law is that Beijing has the power over how the law is interpreted. Hundreds of protesters and activists have been arrested since the law has been enacted. Our speaker is Jerome Yao, who is co-founder of Hong Kong Marriage Equality. He joins us to talk about how the national security law has affected the movement for marriage equality in Hong Kong. So I'm Jerome Yao, last name Yao, Y-A-U, pronouns he, him, his, and I am co-founder of Hong Kong Marriage Equality. Tell us the current state of marriage equality in Hong Kong as we speak. Uh, Hong Kong does not recognize same-sex marriages. 
although through uh, various court decisions, uh, there are some limited recognitions. For example, uh, for civil servants, uh, uh, spousal, spousal benefits are provided for civil servants who are um, married uh, overseas, uh, serving a same-sex relationship. Uh, there are also, through the same court ruling, uh, there is a benefit of joint of joint filing for uh, uh, income tax or income tax return. Also, through another court ruling, uh, 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 there now spousal visa is available for those who are coming to Hong Kong to work. So previously, let's say uh, if I married, I could not bring my spouse over. I mean, my spouse obviously could come over, but not as a recognized spouse. So uh, my spouse would be on a visitor visa and that would entail uh, different restrictions. But uh, since this court ruling, uh, basically uh, I could now, let's say I could bring my spouse over as a recognized spouse. So that would mean uh, a much easier life for my spouse. So yes, uh, very limited. At the same time, there are different court uh, cases going on. Uh, two concern about housing rights. So one is about public rental housing. One is a subsidized housing scheme. Those two cases are ongoing. They both cases they won in the first round, uh, but the government decided to appeal. So the appeal, both appeals were heard February this year, and now we are waiting for the court to uh, render its decision. And just today the court heard another appeal. This particular case concerns about the recognition of overseas same-sex marriages. So the, the, the applicant, I mean, he married his uh, husband in the States back in 2013, if I remember correctly. And then he asked the court that uh, his marriage should be recognized. He lost his case in the first round. He decided to file an appeal and the appeal was heard today. So we'll find out hopefully within this year as to see how the court will rule on this case. So in a nutshell, yes, same-sex marriages are not recognized, but because of uh, several court rulings, uh, there are some limited recognitions for specific purposes. Let's talk about Hong Kong's um, policies against uh, organizing. And they're somewhat unclear to me and Maybe I think for the rest of the world, what we saw was a, a you know kind of a crackdown on um, folks who are outspoken. And in fact, what we read in newspapers were severe impacts on folks who were speaking out on the issues, and and they were not able to assemble. They're not able to organize. Can you tell us about those policies and how it may have affected marriage equality? Uh, I think the real situation is more nuanced than what you've seen, what you have seen on the press, or what is reported by the press. Uh, yes, we, we obviously, uh, uh, I mean, uh, since 2020, uh, we have to deal with a national security law, and of course, the law prescribes certain things. And obviously, relatively speaking, it's a bit new to us. I mean, previously, obviously, things were more freewheeling here in Hong Kong. But obviously, things have changed, uh, and certainly, yes, there are, we have seen several high-profile cases. But I think it's important to point out that 
you know, uh, those cases concern certain aspects of national security. As far as LGBT issues are concerned, I think it's very clear. It's nothing to do with national security. Those issues are social in nature. Uh, and uh, I think, uh, you know, in terms of sort of impacting, I think is obviously we need to recognize that there are, now that there's a new set of law and uh, we have to operate within the boundaries of the law. So uh, the best way I could say it's uh, when it comes to LGBT issues, I've, we can still continue to do our work, but we recognize that there are new legal restrictions and, uh, and we just need to do things that we won't uh, that uh, would, uh, uh, on one hand, obviously within the law, and secondly, it's, uh, you know, when it comes to impact, I think certain things which were okay in the past may not be okay these days. So yes, there are new challenges, but, but at the same time, I, I think it's important to point out that, uh, you know, LGBT groups are still around and they're still doing their work. And for those of us who, who don't under, understand you know, what the policy is, is it okay for you to talk openly about the national security law? What exactly is it? What does it prevent you from doing? If you could give some examples of how you're creatively going a- around it or continuing to do the work. I, I think I can only touch on some of the uh, uh, very high level stuff, obviously, you know, I, I'm not mm-hmm. from a legal background. So I, although I think it's important to point out that what I'm going to say, it's basically from, from our understanding. So point number one, obviously, if you look at the national security law, it prescribes certain things. For example, things, uh, for example, endangering national security or colluding with the foreign power to subvert the state. So, I mean, those are quite clear in, in the language. Uh, I think uh, certainly, I mean, in the past, I think in Hong Kong, uh, there were no laws prescribing these acts. So now that we have a, we have a law prescribing these acts, so I think um, what I can say is so certain acts that were okay, they are not okay right now. Secondly, I think what I want to point out specifically about LGBT issues, it's LGBT issues are social in nature and because they concern uh, the well-being, the concern, wellness, and well-being of, of individuals who identify as LGBT. As far as Hong Kong is concerned, actually, if you check uh, the government website, the government bureau or department responsible for LGBT issues, they are still saying that they support equal opportunities for people of different sexual orientations. You will still see posters, although they are not current, that that advocating. Uh, non-discrimination. I guess from that perspective, what we are trying to do is to complement this promise. And certainly if you look around, um, companies increasingly they recognize the importance of having an inclusive workplace. Because uh, if you look at, like for example, the latest survey that was carried out uh, that was announced in the findings were announced in early 2020. Uh, basically, the, they're very clear across the board. In general, society believe or the population believe that LGBT LGBT people sh- shouldn't be discriminated on. 
on the issue of marriage equality, 49% of the people uh, expressed their support. 23% of the people, uh, they were not supportive and the rest claim neutrality. When I asked the researcher, what does neutrality mean? Basically, those basically according to him, uh, it means that people at that time were not ready to say yes to marriage equality. They may given time. So they were taking a so more like a wait and see approach. In a sense that pretty much aligns with our findings in our 2019 survey, because uh, some, uh, I guess some people did tell us that, you know, they, 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 they knew what's happening around the world. Some of them, they even uh, have friends who are LGBT or maybe in a relationship. But when it comes to marriage, they wanted to wait and see. One, I remember one even suggested that uh, I'm not going to say yes or no until I see some solid policy proposals from the government. So I think there is a segment in the population that is taking a wait and see approach. I believe, you know, uh, when it comes to LGBT work, it is still, it's still workable in Hong Kong. I mean, obviously, we have to take great care, taking into account of the national security legislation. For example, uh, when it comes to uh, accepting donation, now that obviously there are different rules when it comes to uh, donations, so we have to be careful about that. So yes, there are new rules, there are new regulations, uh, and, and it, it wasn't as, as, as easy as free willing as what it used to be, but that does not mean that, it, that, that we cannot do our work. What about pride? That's a good question. Uh, right now, because of pandemic-related restrictions, we still have pandemic-related restrictions. That's why it has been impossible for Pride to organize. But they did organize something else, like an indoor uh, bazaar or marketplace type of event. So it's happening, but it's not what it used to be, certainly uh, because of social distancing regulations. No one can organize a parade. And it's not only limited to LGBT. It's basically it, it's across the board. For example, uh, uh, Hong Kong used to see many, many outdoor events with mass participation. That hasn't been, I think, except with one or two exceptions, uh, um, uh, uh, organizations haven't been able to organize events with mass participation. So it's mostly related to COVID restrictions. So in a nutshell, my last question for you is, I mean, there's a lot of hope in what you say um, as far as the passage of marriage equality in Hong Kong, even the sentiments and attitudes of social acceptance of LGBTQIA+, sounds like there is some, a lot more support than we've ever experienced. So despite you know, these uh, policies, you do remain hopeful. I remain cautiously hopeful for the following reasons. Uh, first of all, I think the social sentiment is changing for the good. As, as seen by, uh, for example, the survey that I just mentioned, and not least the observations that, are, that I mean, my, my personal observations. For example, I mean, um, here in Hong Kong, let's just put it this way. Um, if you see two girls holding hands on the street, it's no big deal. But if you see two guys holding hands, definitely that would attract a bit of an attention. Uh, the good thing is I have noticed that increasingly more young couples 
are, are very uh, willing or they feel comfortable showing affections on the street. And it's not only limited to one or two particular areas. I think it's pretty much across the city. So uh, I think that's a good sign. Secondly, Prime Month, that's always a good indicator. So although in Hong Kong, traditionally, we have our Pride Parade in November, but we do recognize that June is, a global, is the global uh, Pride Month. So lots of companies would take this opportunity to show their support uh, of the LGBT community. But I think the important point is this year, I noticed some local brands, uh, they were willing to step, take another step forward. I mean, the, the most easy thing is to turn the logo into rainbow color. Okay, fine. But this year I saw at least two brands, they not only changed their logo, but at the, their logos, but at the same time, they posted statements in support of LGBT diversity and inclusion. So I think that's a strong, that, that, that's a, those were strong statements. Secondly, um, last year, a local TV station aired a, a, a TV sort of drama series. It was an adaptation of a, of a Japanese a TV series. And that, that, that program was well received. Um, uh, that, that, that series featured same-sex love. So that was well received locally. And uh, so I think that was a good that was a good indication. A member of a very popular local boy brand, boy brand, uh, boy um, band, sorry, boy brand, boy, boy band. Um, it's openly gay. So again, people are quite okay with that. Gay Games is coming to Hong Kong. It has been delayed, so it will be coming to Hong Kong next year. And last year, yes, there were some controversies. But the government, basically uh, the chief executive, which is the leader of the city, did come out and say discrimination is wrong. So that's a very clear statement. So yes, there are challenges, but I think overall speaking, society is moving in the right direction. And I think given time, I mean, I think we will be able to uh, hopefully uh, make more gains. So there's reason for, for, for optimism, but obviously my optimism uh, is based on partly on evidence, partly on my observation. Thank you so much for joining us for this month's focus on freedom of assembly, expression, and speech. For more episodes of Interpride, you can visit interpride.org. There you can also find more information about the annual general members meeting and world conference coming up in Guadalajara. Scholarships are also still available, but you must be a member to apply. Become a member today if you're not already. This is Interpride, a podcast by Interpride, where the world comes together for the LGBTQIA community. 